Welcome to the Part of the Noise podcast. I'm your host, Scotty Hughes. Today, we're going to have a little conversation with my lovely, beautiful wife. Uh, we're going to talk about a few different things. It's going to get hot and heavy. We're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about abortion. Every life matters. We're going to talk about be the change that you want to see. So we're going to dive into all these things, have a little fun in the process, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. All right. Hope you enjoy it. All right. How's it going, baby? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, You were just making fun of me. I was. Telling me I need to talk faster. Yeah, you're a slow talker. I am a slow talker. I just wanted to remind the listeners that they can actually speed up uh, the length of which a podcast plays. One and a half times, two times the normal speed. So if you think to yourself, I love it, but Scott just talks so slow. This is me. Can you explain what what do I need to do? <laughs> you can listen to po- you could listen to time. a half hour podcast in fifteen minutes. But if how you do you wanted. do that? What do you? How do you do that? On um, your phone? Just open a podcast up yeah. over there, and yeah. then you like hit it. Yeah. Yeah, and then see. Oh, at the Look bottom, at Little, bottom left hand corner, people. One X. On go to one and a half. Apple Podcast. Yeah. Yep. So, if you're like, man, I want to listen to this, but I only got 15 minutes, you could just, so smart. and if you hit it again, it'll jump to double time. So smart. So, I, I think I was re-listening to a, a podcast episode myself today for a few minutes, and I was like, man, I do talk slow. So, I'm going to try and speed <laughs> that up, but I'm formulating thoughts as I go, so... Um, I hope you guys have had a awesome week, and it's uh, we're glad to be back. I'm glad to be back with my beautiful wife, and uh, I'm excited about the show today. Um, so we're gonna just talk about a few things. What's been going on? I just woke up, so when I put my <laughs> daughter to bed every night, I fall asleep. And then Scott's like, hey, babe, wake up. So I'm like, okay, we're doing a podcast. Give me some chocolate. Here I go. <laughs> do, let me do a line of cocaine. No, yes. Stop it right now. It's so bad. <laughs> yes. It's like chronic lack of sleep. It's not just like, oh, I didn't sleep for like a week. It's like, oh, I haven't slept in like five years. So <laughs> It's a little spot. It's like a mangy dog and... and you with missing hair and, and you get just these patches of sleep when you get <laughs> thanks <laughs> that's like the weirdest analogy ever you're like a mangy dog <laughs> i don't quite get well, it but no thank, because thank it's you. a mangy dog right the mangy <laughs> dog can't it's can't he's got nobody to watch his back so he, he constantly also needs to like <laughs> sleep in a little short bursts and make sure nobody's trying to uh, eat him <laughs> Or take them to the dog pound. It's like the sleep equivalent of like prison eating. Is that what it is? (laughs) Yeah, you got to guard your plate. (laughs) Got to guard your plate or somebody's going to get it. 
No, what's been going on? We just had my sister's baby shower. Yay, sister! You worked You're... really hard on that. I did. I was so excited. It was like the most fun, special thing ever. And yeah, it was great. We had a good time. Um, yeah, you worked. You, I, I felt bad for you. Um, <laughs> and... And let me just declare it publicly. Don't ask Jenny to do anything right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> the answer will be no. Let me go back into my cave for a few weeks. <laughs> no. No, so it was a you 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 went all out. Yeah, it was so fun. You you definitely didn't like. It was so fun. You it's showed so up, special. ready to play. You didn't phone it in, as they say. Yeah, and anytime you put me and my mom together on a task, it it immediately goes like next level to where you're like, wait, what what are, what are we doing? Why can't we stop? Because we're so excited to make it awesome. <laughs> so it just keeps going. But what have you been up to? How's it been going? What you been doing? Podcasting, watching a little <laughs> NBA playoffs. Go Toronto. Huh? I totally forgot Go that Toronto. was happening right now. Yeah. Seriously. Toronto, Golden State, and uh, Toronto. Toronto's handling their best, but I think uh, the the Warriors look a little depleted. Uh, they, Kevin Durant has been out, and um, Clay Thompson was sitting on the bench. And I don't even know why he was sitting on the bench. He didn't play in any point in the game. So I was like, well, you're not gonna win games that way when. Two all stars from your team aren't playing, even if uh, uh, Steph Curry is putting up fifty points. <laughs> so that and I don't know, life, kids. Lots you've of had fun. you've had that song on repeat lately. There's this okay. There's this uh, Scott and I both are like. I'm sorry if you're a country fan, but we're not country <laughs> fans. Um, and that was like a, that was like one of those prenuptial agreements, I think. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you have this favorite song that is like country, and I, I'll hear him playing it all the time. Like, <clears throat> like what are you doing? Like, what is this? Are you doing Old Town Road? I don't know, but it's so I'm gonna country take sounding. my horse to the Old Town Road. Is that road. what it is? I don't know. Are you talking about the girl? No, the girl. Oh, the girl. The girl you said, it reminds you of Sufjan Stevens, which I, we, we yeah. love. We love that, but like, this is like country. So, yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> it was the, it's Casey Musgraves and is what um, which I think she won at that one album of the year. That's why you, you don't picked win, it up, you right? I, I was like, I well, it. if it won album of the year, I was like, it must be kind of good, even if it's country. But it's not. It's not full throttle country. It's just she's got a little. She's got she's a little. Got the twang. A she's little bit of twang. twang, but the music is not very country sounding. The one song that I really like, "Slow Burn," has. Uh, it makes me think of Sufjan Stevens. I'm like, Sufjan Stevens probably like really angry. Like, man, they stole my music. Because <laughs> I doubt they were like, hey, Sufjan, we're going to sample this. It's not, it's just different enough that Sufjan can't be like, 
I just laugh because you, you make fun of me like I'm streaky with stuff with all kinds of things and it's like you're so streaky with music you'll just have your little your little song on repeat like a little schoolgirl. No, I just <laughs> I, I go in three month segments where this is true. I <laughs> add music for three months and that say I allow myself to listen to that playlist that keeps getting added to for three months. There's a system. And then after three months I start a new playlist. Okay. So I gather about, you know, 160, 180 songs in that playlist of just new music every week. But then there's some songs on there, like if it's toward, more towards the beginning of the, the playlist, and I can see it right away, I'm like, oh, that's a nice one. Ooh, that's a nice one. You know what? Just so people can, you know, just hear so they can hear about. a little bit. Mm. Country. Nah, it's... What is that? <laughs> Now, okay, what now, What if I get Sufjan, okay. just so you know. I did not deny the Sufjan connection. I'm just saying it's rather country. It's rather country sounding. Now I like Sufjan. I with slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's just on all the time. I, I love, it's not, I mean. It's on all the time. <laughs> Okay, wait. This is Okay. This is Sufjan. Hit us with it. Let's go. Hmm. No, very similar. Very similar. The voice does it for me though. See? Just cuz he doesn't have a little twang. I like the no twang. But country musicians would listen to this and be like, man, that Sufjan, <laughs> he gets my soul. <laughs> uh, love you, Sufjan. <laughs> I don't know if I love you, Casey Musgraves, but um, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> maybe let's move this show along. So. I had you do try to do a little homework today. And I didn't do my homework because I you, fell asleep. I you, tried. You listened to I something. I literally right? fell asleep putting the baby down. You got the gist of it. <laughs> so, on one of the latest episodes of a podcast called uh, Hidden Brain by NPR, um, there is an episode called People Like Us. And the episode, it's kind of... It talks about a study that happened that is a little controversial in that um, there's a they make a case for desegregation. Um, no, for, no, for, for segregation. segregation. Yeah. Um, and so the study, what it, it what the study, what was it? The project, I think it was called the Project Star Study in Tennessee. Um, in 1985, 11,000 students. What they wanted to find out was one in this study was if students learned better in smaller classes. And the study actually showed that early elementary that students 
actually became better learners in smaller class environments. Confirm, check, yes. Yes. Makes sense. Now, but what they also (laughs) had, because they had all this data, they were able to go back later with this new type of study um, that is do black students um, learn better from black teachers? And so because they had that all that information in the study, whether the teacher was white or black, they actually could look and see that these black students actually did go on to do better when they had black teachers in their life. And... Um, and then it, but it didn't just stop there. They, uh, they looked at, uh, black, they did a study in Oakland, I believe it was, where they went to like barber shops and the pawn shop and the flea market, wherever. And they, the, the goal was to try and get these black men into this study where they, um, where they, we're trying to see if if they responded different to white doctors, black doctors, um, because you know, as we know, like black men have a shorter lifespan than white men do, and and a lot of it it stemmed from you know from this one guy who who his uncle died, and he thought it was you know he died from prostate cancer. So the moment he found out, it was like three months later, he was dead. And he was frustrated because this is this is a preventable disease. And if he would have had his checkups or, you know. He was refusing care. He was kind of refusing much. care. So yeah. he, he was like, oh, I'm fine. I don't know. And, but if he would have, and what they wanted to find out was if he had had a black doctor in his life, would he have accepted that preventative care as opposed to having a white doctor? Um and so through the study pretty much it came out that uh these men when when given like a suggestion and like hey i noticed you only signed up for you know these few tests what these are some pretty important ones i feel like you should do it they found out that all of a sudden like it was like a drastic like percentage increase of all of a sudden now these these black men that would not have before all of a sudden now getting these tests to to check these things out and they they were trying to figure it out and they what they looked and they noticed was that the black doctors took more detailed notes and it wasn't even necessarily about it was about common, like, just conversation. Yeah, things. like, are the Golden State Warriors going to win the championship? Or, you know, uh, oh, there he's got a wedding coming up. That You know, so more personal level. And pretty much what they were, you know, this podcast was insinuating was that people, the color of our skin actually can sometimes breed trust in each other and if there's trust you're you open up more and you have more you know compassion because you feel like they understand you better and so the reason this this kind of stuck out to me was um well and you were elaborating and saying 
beyond because this was the little there was a little segment in there that I missed but I think what the podcast was going on to say was um, it wasn't just the study started with with um, black men and they were saying they were saying non-black men in that doctor study but then correct me if I'm wrong the podcast was kind of going on to like draw those conclusions across all different kinds of racial boundaries saying that whatever the common factor was right that was what yeah that was what bred the connection yeah exactly so, so it wasn't i mean so it started with <coughs> black men but what they found was that it was like 70 percent of white men mm-hmm. you know kind of felt that um having a, a doctor of the same color would they would be better to understand them mm-hmm. so it was a you know 70 percent black set felt the same 70 percent white felt the same and so I kind of, this is something that I never thought I would actually talk about, but because of this, I, I, it, it struck in something in me. And so I grew up, like I mentioned before, in uh, a black neighborhood in Detroit, Michigan. Um, I, you know, I went to school in, in Southfield, Southfield High, which was predominantly black. I think I even joked about it earlier. You grew in one up on of these eight episodes. Mile. I did grow up on Eight Mile. I can one day I'll maybe lay down some freestyle beats for you guys. But I, <laughs> I, I think I even joked about it at one point. I wanted to be black, and uh, what was it? I was watching. But that was like you truthfully felt like that. I did. Yeah. I mean, all the cool kids were black. I mean, we loved playing basketball. Like I, I was jealous of black hair because they could wear their hats to school. <laughs> remember, and so. Um, so sometimes I have this, um, affinity towards black culture or, and, you know, sometimes I jokingly say I'm, I'm, you know, a black white guy or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I think it was, a maybe a year and a half ago, maybe we were looking for doctors. Um, we were getting some new, um, medical insurance stuff and I kind of found myself like wanting to find a white doctor a white male doctor and it kind of took me back for a second I was like man Scott are you like are you racist are you racist (laughs) and I was like, I don't feel racist. I just... You love black people. You love I, white people. I love... <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing is, black doctors, there's only, you know, if physicians, they're only about 4% are black. Mm-hmm. So finding a black physician is rare. Um, it actually is needs, should be a lot higher than that. You know, we need more black doctors. Um but, you know, when just looking other names through the book and, and you're like, man, I can't even pronounce that name and like, uh, okay. And, um, and so, I, you know, I, I felt like there was a part of me that was like, I wanted to have a white doctor and I didn't know why, I mean, but I felt bad about it. I felt bad. Like I was being racist or something. And um, I'm like, man, this is not good. You know why? But now after kind of hearing about this study and uh, their findings, I, I realized, wait a second, this is, this is common to man. This, is, this isn't a, 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 a white racist thing. This is like black people 
would rather see a black doctor. White people would rather see a white doctor. Indian people would rather see an Indian doctor. Asians would rather see an Asian doctor. Uh, because what it happens is, is you feel like because there is that similarity that you have something in common that they can understand what you're going through. Whereas if a white doctor is telling a black man, you know, the, you, you, they say, you know, as an African-American man, you're going to have a higher blood pressure and your cholesterol and you're going to have to watch all these things. There's, a, there's not that trust there. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to say at all because, I mean, it, it, there are clear, there's definitely instances where people feel comfortable it doesn't matter. But, but the, what the study is showing that most black men are not getting the pre- preventative care that they need. Mm-hmm. And, um, but if they had a black doctor, it actually would help them, you know, get the care that they need. And, and then I, the, I talked about the school study, right? And they, what they found was with black students, that if they had a black teacher in their life, that they actually went on to learn better. They actually would go further in schooling, um, like all these benefits and so you you ask yourself okay wait a second you know here we thought uh desegregation was a bad thing or i mean it was a good thing Mm -hmm. right and now we're looking back and we're like wait a second these you know black people would it would actually be a lot more beneficial for them to have black teachers in their life to have black doctors in their life um you know, and I mean, as I'm not, you know, put, check your privilege, brah, right? <laughs> as a white male, um, it's not hard for me to have those things, right? To, to find a white doctor, to find a white teacher. And, and all those things can actually help me to have gotten to where I am today, right? But if you are a, a, a black student, you know, and they talked about in North Carolina, it was like 50% of these black students never had a black teacher in their lives. And the people that need it most, the most um, are low-income black men. And just to have one black teacher in their life could, like, transform their lives. And uh, so I don't, I it kind of just threw me for a loop. It got me thinking, it was like, wait a second. All right, I, we clearly can't go back to segregation. No. But how do we how do we how do we change this? How do we I think the frustrating thing for me is like, oh, like why is this why is race such an issue to the world, to people, to everyone? I don't know. Um it it really bothers me. Um I see it. I I've not I I don't know. I guess I mean, I'm, I'm not that I can even be like talking about my race. I, I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a, a mixed bag here. Like I'm, you know, part Asian. I'm like a European white hodgepodge. I've got a little bit of Native American. So like growing up, I was always, I never really, like people could not figure me out. They were like, what are you? What are you? Yeah. And so um, for me, it's always... I've always been like, 
asking i'd ask people's you know nationalities because i genuinely was like where where do you come from like i wanted to know more the story like i never really um paid attention to like the skin count the skin tone or the color it was more like you know for example <laughs> a lot of people will see black and white i'll see black and i'll be like well which black <laughs> like where where you know where's your heritage like that's more how my brain thinks and stuff like i'm more interested in the dialogue and the story so um, just face value race judgments are, are hard for me. I, I was really thinking about this and I was like, oh my gosh, it just comes back to the value of a healthy church. Um, really, if we're going to like pull on the little thread and follow the thread all the way back to like what can be the answer, um, I just feel like if if there were healthy, thriving churches in communities mm-hmm. that were preaching Jesus, that were teaching love and acceptance, and the people were in in every area were learning that. We would not see race. Um, we would learn to have an interest in the individual. Mm-hmm. And if we could have an interest in the individual and care about people, right? Like, for example... On the doctor's side of it, like one of the arguments or one of the discussions in that uh, in the podcast about the doctors was that like even the doctors slowed down to provide better care when yeah. they made a connection. Well, if we had Jesus in our heart and we were operating from a place of love and a place of, of placing value on the individual, um, we would be able to to see people regardless of our differences and to slow down enough to to just place such a value on them that we're going to invest the time that we have we're going to be present we're going to give good care mm-hmm. you know um have you ever heard the saying that sunday morning is the most segregated time yes now the other thing i was going to say see i kind of don't know where i fall on this okay i just know that Racism makes me sad, (laughs) but also when I think about our church and my past church experience, right? I was thinking about this because there's a ton of churches in San. I'm sorry to kind of correlate this to church. This is just this is where my brain was going with this. There's a ton of churches in San Diego, and there's one church that we (laughs) love and connect with and resonate with. It's kind of like we've found our tribe, right? Mm -hmm. And um. You know, like if we were to go to any other church, we would be like, oh, it doesn't quite feel like home. Like there, you know, we kind of don't have everything in common. Like something's kind of not, you know, something's kind of missing or whatever. So there is that like that side of it where, I mean, even at the end of that podcast, they said, you know, um, where they were talking about differences are good to 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 breed creativity they had a previous podcast on that but what this was showing this podcast was showing that trust and communication come easier when we have things in common yeah and i would have to agree with that like because you have a starting point um you have something to start with that's in common you have a common ground but i think like in a perfect world like my heart would be like oh like everybody's got love in their heart and that could be our common ground yeah (laughs) like why can't we start from that place like why, you know, but I mean, people, we're all people. And so we all operate through, you know, our humanity as our filter. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm saying on this, but I, you know, the, the whole, um, as far as segregation in the church, 
you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you have white churches, black churches, Asian churches. Um, I oftentimes, I, I personally think that it, it comes back to music mm-hmm. and the worship style. Mm-hmm. I think worship style is actually the biggest factor in what because that's a what very draws cu- people too i think that's a very right? cultural expression like yeah, music, exactly yeah. like if if you grew up listening to gospel black gospel music and choirs and you know kurt franklin mm-hmm. stomping on you um uh you might come to a white church and be like man it's just kind of bland um and the same thing with a white person who kind of grew up in, you know, whatever background or they whatever type of music they like. And they, and they don't really like that sound of music, of like black gospel music. They come in and they'd be like, I'm, you know, I'm not really feeling the, the gospel choir type music. And, and so I don't think that it's... I, I would say that most churches would want more of a cultural diversity i oftentimes just think that it's the choices in music that create the divide uh and i think it's just preference and so i think but i also do think it's familiarity and trust and 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 uh you you're more comfortable with people you feel like you have something in common with and so and I think that's fine I think that's good and healthy and all but I think on the negative side of it is when that becomes exclusive and we close our doors yeah you know like what you're saying the man wouldn't seek out medical care and that's actually becoming or they've seen that that's a common um thread happening that um men are not seeking out medical care where they could be that's not good I think that's gotta change you know like the negative side of it so it's fine to like find connection and build trust but it like can can we open our i don't know our hearts a little bit and (laughs) yeah you know and and that i think that starts with the person who's in charge so in that situation the patient is not necessarily the one in charge it's the doctor right Mm. I think it's the doctor's job mm-hmm. to um, to to put in the work and to be interested and to find the commonalities and to find what, I think it's what everybody's job. I think it's equally everybody's yes, job. Yes, but in that situation, I mean, if... I don't know. To me, there's a, a hierarchy level in that situation. Like, if, if that patient is coming to see that doctor yeah like yeah. that doctor but how do you his get job how to, do you get that patient to come in to see that doctor like the step before that do you know what i mean like that that's gonna fall to the patient like what's the step before that and well how no like, i'm saying like he's gonna have to rise in his spirit and decide that he's not gonna carry preconceived notions and still go get the medical care that he needs despite who it's available from yeah. Like, you know, that has to happen to him in his mind before he even goes in to see yeah. the doctor. So I think if we all, it just comes back to um, if we all would work on ourselves and 
really like, you know, I think confront ourselves a bit um, and look at ourselves. There was one thing I, I was reading a book a while ago and um, there was this comment about this particular author was talking about insecurities and she was having to confront things in herself and um, she kind of made mention of how most of the time we as people will will kind of know what our issues are but we won't um, really like go there and and think about them or process them we just kind of know they're there and we if it's a bad issue we we know it's bad and so we kind of just like shut the door to it we want to pretend it doesn't exist but the problem with that is that we're not actually processing anything that is happening in that realm in our world and she was talking about how finally she had this moment where she went back in her mind and her heart <clears throat> and started processing her insecurities. And so whenever things would come up, instead of running from it or pretending like she wasn't responding that way, in her mind it was almost like she was picking it up and like looking it over and like I'm going to I'm going to look at this thing from all sides and like what what am I actually dealing with here? Mm-hmm. You know, so like if we could have that mentality with ourselves, with our personal growth where you know what, realize that none of us are perfect. We're all human. We've all got flaws. Um, we've all got places where, hey, guess what? We don't think correctly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so instead of pretending like we're always right, can we go into that space, pick it up, look at it, flip it over, figure this thing out? Kind of like, you know, like a two-year-old tinkering with a toy, like look at it from all angles and and um, look at what's really in our heart and you know, like start to unravel a bit. And I think if we can do that, we would actually grow. And when we would grow, we would find more answers to tough questions. And it'd really be about working on ourselves. And if we're able to be the best version of ourselves, I I think that's one of the greatest gifts we can give the world is us being the healthiest, best, most love-filled version of ourselves. Yeah. So. I think... There's no easy th- answers with that, these kind of things. Yeah, I think part of it come to is you, we have to be willing to challenge our own biases or our own, yeah. own thoughts. Yeah. So if, you know, if I believe a certain way or, um, uh, you know, I've heard that just like you need to ask yourself, all right, can you articulate the argument for the other side? Can you mm-hmm. articulate it well? Right. And if you can't, then there's something wrong there. You know what I mean? Because then that just means you're just confirming your own bias um, based on what you've been told or what you, you read or what you gravitate towards. And if you can't articulate the other side of the argument in a well-fashioned manner, then, you know, because I think when you begin to do that, that's when you can... Um, you can actually come to a place where you're like, wait a second, maybe I am wrong. Maybe it's not, I'm not all right. Or maybe it somewhere lies in between. Cause I think, I think that's the in between is usually where the, the truth lies. It's not always on one side or the other, but it's hard when it's like you, it's you feel it's like you establish it and like you you we always constantly come to this place where like what do I believe so that when I figure out what it is I believe then I stand on that and nobody can push me off that pedestal 
that I'm going to just fight to the death on that pedestal. And I think that's, um, I think that's a scary closed-minded place. And it just sees the world through one lens. And if, if we want to be people that um, are joined, you know, joined together in unity and what the Bible says we are, you know, one, be one, we, we need to look more for our, our commonalities mm -hmm. than what actually makes us different. Right. You know? Yeah. And, um, and I, I think that just, that, that just, it, it always starts with yourself. Anytime you have a feeling of a, like a stereotype, right? Where, you know, just, you know, um, any type of stereotype. Usually there's a little bit of truth in that stereotype, but the, the sad part about that is that we lump everybody into that stereotype that might fit that profile. Mm -hmm. And that's yes. that's not good. We can't put people in a box. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it makes me this totally but off topic. But I mean, topic. if the box is big enough, you could fit them in it. But you're going to need a lot of tape to keep them in that <laughs> box. And what is the box made of? Is it cardboard? Is it wood? <laughs> what kind of tape are you going to use? <laughs> You could if they're if they're awake when you're trying to put them in the box. Oh my gosh. It's definitely not going to work because they're going to fight you. But now if they're unconscious, what like is up you with knock you? Them <laughs> over, you knock them on their head. You can maybe get them in the box. Stop it. Just a little. Stop it right they'll now. They'll wake up and they'll be like, "Oh no, I'm in a box." Did you see? Um, I saw this video. And it was amazing. It was this, it was from, um, uh, I think it was Britain's Got Talent or, you know, one of the You Got Talent shows. And um, this, this contestant comes up with his mom and he's um, blind and autistic. Mm. And um, everybody's like really, you know, leaning in like, what's he going to do? You know, what what's going to, what's the, the talent and he jumps on the piano and starts singing and it was the most incredible performance like you've ever seen and the audience went wild the judges are in tears and you know and I was watching it and I was like crying like a little girl and I think I showed you and you were like you totally broke down and you were like, my eyes are sweating. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was amazing. And he got the golden buzzer and it just things like that. I get so excited about because they just remind you how, how beautiful and how precious humanity is and really how you just, you can't put people in a box that they are just a gift. And, um, I don't know. It just I don't know. It made me think of that. It was so random. But anyways. Yeah. No. I think <laughs> th that that was definitely a, a eye opener. I think I actually had a conversation with with people at work about that. Oh really? Because to me, it just it spoke to um, man. Everybody has has something of value to bring and, and give yeah. and, and here you have this person that the, you know, the, the doctors probably would have said, Oh, you shouldn't have this child. You know, they could, 
they're going to be born and they're going to have, you know, uh, Down syndrome or they're going to have um, all the all the stuff, you know, and it's like it's going to be a difficult life for you. So you should, you know, consider aborting that that child. And to me, what that one video revealed was, um, man, look at the the God-given talent that that person has. That that I mean, literally, is like they're blind, they're autistic, talking, and the my my and and right. then all of a sudden, he gets uh, he's the playing the starts. piano, yeah, and he's singing like Pavarotti. You know, I mean, it's he's incredible. just like. Mm-hmm. you're like wait a second that's not the same person has he been <laughs> acting this whole time it was um, amazing it was amazing and and that's exactly it's like but but the question that i had posed at work was and this is kind of you know i guess we just like to go controversial we just go, we're just going this. there <laughs> um, you know with some of the laws i know that we have the alabama laws about you know the the fetal heartbeat and there's a big stink about that from the left, and um, you got I think, the New York laws. Yeah, or what, which was Alabama the, is the one in favor of protecting um, birth and babies, and New York is basically like you can lethally inject a child up to the point that they're born. Was that just New York, or was that I'm not? I thought that I'm was I thought speed. it was Congress. Um, I thought, it, yeah, I mean, I just remember them in con. I thought it was like Congress, maybe it was the Congressional in, in New York, but I thought it and there was like literally they were cheering for the fact that now they can oh abort a baby up till nine months. Oh my God. And, and I thought to myself, well, the question I had was this. I was like, well, does that change the uh, two counts of murder now? So that if... Um, you know, if if uh, a woman who's pregnant is murdered, right, you would get charged with two counts of murder, right. Mm-hmm. But if we devalue human life so much now that we could we say that up till nine months we can abort that baby, it's just it's a world of inconsistency. Yeah, and it's yeah, exactly. It's like well, well that ter- person will get charged <laughs> with two counts of murder. But if somebody else doesn't, it's not murder. Mm-hmm. You know, if a doctor mm-hmm. a doctor dismembers that baby and pulls it out piece by piece. Oh, my gosh. And it. Yeah. Yeah. That. And so there is definitely controversy with the Alabama um, thing. And uh, but as, as somebody who is, you know, pro-life, yeah. believing that 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 baby is you know has a destiny and a purpose and that it i don't care whether it's you know got an an extra chromosome or it's going to be born blind or um there's value he that baby has value yep Mm -hmm. and and the only way the left can get around of saying that it doesn't have value is they have to to try and not believe that it is alive. Not believe that right. it has life. Right. Uh, I mean, how old was that kid that w- you were telling me about the smallest baby ever oh, born? Oh, the smallest baby ever born um, 
to survive, smallest size-wise, was born at 23 weeks, just recently here in San Diego. Mm. And this baby was in the NICU for, I don't know, 150 days or so, and just recently got released and sent home healthy five plus pounds and gaining weight. And um, I mean, that baby was, you know, and I think there was a recent one, even um, probably within the last week, I think. I didn't get to read it, but I thought I saw one born at 21 weeks. That's now the youngest or the earliest born yeah. that is has survived and is thriving. And that's halfway through a pregnancy. They're being born and they're thriving. Yeah. So exactly, you know. I and mean, that, and that that's what food for thought. <laughs> you know, when 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 people that are advocating, oh, that 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 embryo or couldn't survive outside of the womb well yes it no, can well <laughs> yes it can but i'm gonna say no baby could survive outside of the womb if there isn't somebody taking care of it mm-hmm. and you know i mean a full-term baby if you don't take care of that baby it's not going to survive and that's the same with you know i mean here this child these children that are being born at 21 23 weeks right their survival is dependent on the doctors and the nurses and the parents by their bedside loving on them praying on them not praying praying for them (laughs) (laughs) and praying p-r-a-y not (laughs) p-r-e-y okay crazy Um, eyes (laughs) and and so i don't know i just i think we God has so much in store for each and every, each and every person like he has a plan for us and to see that life snuffed out before its yeah. time is one of the saddest things that I could think and and I, that's this is one of those things where I'm like see it from the other side I feel like like I understand that you might have not planned that pregnancy. I understand that it might have, I mean, in very rare cases that it is a product of rape or incest. And I understand um, that, you know, there's all these excuses, but to me, life should trump your excuses. Mm -hmm. I mean, caring for something other than yourself, a baby that's growing inside of you, that that's your child that's you know that's gonna call you mommy like that should trump every single excuse you have yeah whether it's inconvenience because you want to go to college or whether it's you know all these different things um i just you know i think if, if you know if there was a law in our country that said you could you could get rid of a child that up until he was one years old like that is wrong right that is murder and we would say no you would have people saying we need to get rid of this law that says you can get rid of a child up to one years old and that's why that's the same feeling and the same reason that we have for um you know these babies that are just there's they're a baby but they're just inside their mom right they're not out yet yeah and it's like Pete, I don't understand why the left, they have to come up with this reason in their head. What? It's not a real, it's not a baby yet. It's not real. 
uh, because it hasn't breathed air into his lungs or, you know, make up all, you have to literally make up any excuse in the book just to justify killing, murdering a baby. And that to me is one of the saddest, most, like, I can't understand it. Like, it just, it breaks my heart. It does break my heart. And, um, like, I know we all, you know, and this is not to cast judgment on anybody, um, if you've had an abortion or, you know, if, if it's something somebody in your family has had, like there's love, there's grace. Um, but I just, I think and there has to be a better way. You know, there's so many families out there that are actually crying can't have, for a kid. They can't yeah. have children yeah. and they, they're, they're like praying and believing for children. They're trying to adopt children and um and you could be the answer to their prayer Mm -hmm. it's like you know we you know but yet people just say that's my body is what i want and i'm like that is the most selfish way to look at things yeah and i think too like if you find yourself in that sort of unplanned situation just to bring even a word of encouragement, you actually don't know what kind of blessing your life is going to turn around and step into when you choose life. Mm-hmm. Like there is, oh my gosh, like to close the door on the unknown means to close the door on the amazing like God gap. Like yeah. there's, I, I just it makes me sad because it it's like you know there's so much fear and it's like okay well we just we're not going to do this but it's like oh my gosh if you choose life yeah there's going to be like you you don't maybe some unknowns but it's like you're going to you're going to have the help you need every step of the way like i guarantee that will come i guarantee it will come and i guarantee everything will work out Um, it's just choosing that, like choosing life and, oh, I just, I have such a heart for that, like (laughs) for babies. I, we even, yeah, I, I at one point was even like, Scott, if ever there is a situation, like I am so sick of hearing people, you know, flip the coin and be like, well, what you going to take the kid? Like if I, you know, I'm like, guess what? Yeah, I would. Like (laughs) if somebody like found themselves pregnant and was like there is nothing I can do like I need to like give this baby up and I don't know what to do otherwise I'm gonna have an abortion I would say sign me up I will take your kid like guaranteed I have I don't know where they will sleep that we have a tiny apartment I will make it work like (laughs) there will it will be okay (laughs) like let's save all the babies I believe her people I believe her yeah this is no joke I'm actually doing the thing where I'm like putting it out there into the world because I'm believing that there will be an opportunity one day and yeah. I'm I'm more than vain. like <laughs> I will find a family for that baby <laughs> I will make sure that baby finds a family uh. <laughs> But point being is that we're all pro-life here. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yes, I know. I know. I know. Well. Do you have a fun segment? Do I have a fun segment? Yeah. The fun segment. 
Maybe. Maybe we could go walk around in your Rolodex of people. I don't know. You didn't plan a fun segment. You got to start doing that because if you're going to pick these like heavy topics. I didn't. I see the conversation <laughs> goes where it goes. Like I wasn't planning to talk about Alabama. 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 I wasn't planning to talk about Alabama's uh, fetal heartbeat law or anything. It's just the conversation went there. Um, I think... I think just to kind of bring it back. <laughs> what were we talking about originally? I think it's originally that we were talking about, um, you know, doctors and, and, and finding a doctor that, you know, you felt feel like you can trust. Um, I think it, it all comes back to, like, what you were saying is, like, stepping outside of yourself to... to to see life through somebody else's eyes, but having compassion on ha- hearing people's story, like in finding out more about them, being interested in what they have to add. And, and I think when that happens, like color lines will be less important. And we, w- I guess we wouldn't have to have a conversation about whether, it should be a black doctor, white doctor, you know. But, I mean, I think until, you know, I mean, I think you can only work on yourself. Right. You can only try to change yourself. Right. And I think on that front, like, you know, black men, Asian men, Mexican men, white men, like, you are needed in every sphere from yeah. being a doctor to being a teacher in elementary school to um, being a, a banker to, you know, there's well, there's like not a, just certain types of jobs for certain yeah. color people. It's you know like what a I mean? call like, to step up and step out and step into what you're created to do. And I think that also, I think that also applies to our discussion on abortion as well. Like humanity, people like don't, let fear control you you know what is in your heart to do and or what or what situations are you presented with to respond to and how can you respond in such a way as to um respond as a champion and rise above and um because we all have the ability to do that no matter where we're placed and um yeah i think just choosing choosing to to walk in such a way that we are walking in victory and not reactively but proactively bringing all of ourselves like how we show up for life you know yeah i don't know no i love you love you you do you i do do you <laughs> Yeah, I don't, you didn't sound convinced. <laughs> you didn't have a fun segment. I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> I, don't know that I, I, I don't know that I've had a fun segment. for. I, I'd ask you what you're watching, reading, uh, listening to. I'm coming out of my cave. <laughs> but I don't think like... you've done anything but baby shower. <laughs> I found a new, remember last time I was saying I found a new hobby and I was doing sourdough? Well, I found a new hobby and I was, I'm doing macrame. Macrame. <laughs> I, 
I'm like looking, I'm like realizing, wow, do I like, am I one of those people that does like a new thing every other week? Like, I might need to pick that up, that side of my life and examine it a little bit. Yeah, you're a little streaky. You're a little streaky, but I love you. Love you. All right. All right. Have a good night, baby. All right. Thank you for listening to the Part of the Noise podcast. You can follow the show on Instagram at Part of the Noise Podcast. If you love the show, be sure to rate and review us. It helps us get noticed by others. I'm Scotty Hughes, and we'll see you next time. The thing about my baby, it don't matter if you're black or white.